Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Let me get real with you. I honestly think Cincy is a fraud this year. And I think Tulsa and Wyoming are much tougher than what our records show. Tulsa 42, Cincinnati 20. Bryn plays, we have a really good chance. Tulsa 34, Cincy 24. Braxton plays, Tulsa 26, Cincinnati 24. Go TU. Reading that Cincinnati thread pissed me off. Bryn plays, TU 70. Morons, 18. Braxton plays, TU 45. Morons, 20. Extra point, hit their bus with a flaming bag of dog turds on their way out of the stadium. <laughs> All I got to say is, after leaving Tulsa, it is a great gosh darn day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan because none of those terrible predictions came true. <laughs> Drinking the tears of the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I, I love when you go full fan base whisperer and visit message boards of, of Cincinnati football victims the day after they dispose of their, their previously hopeful and optimistic and thinking that this is going to be a special moment fan base. Tulsa, how'd the, how, how do our apples taste? How do they taste, Tulsa? It, it's like, it kind of blows my mind because last year, yeah, like, we know what happened to the squad. We, we lose Desmond Ritter. We lose Sauce, blah, 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 blah. Go down, go down the thing. Like the team should have a step back, but you know, we've talked about this in past pods that fickles built here is not a, a one and done. It's not a flash in the pan. You know, this is a, a nice long brisket that's been being cooked here. Right. And last year we got to cut off some of the burnt ends. They were phenomenal. Right. <laughs> We're still right here into the main part of the brisket, right? It is juicy. It is tender. All right. Just like the, the barbecue you would find somewhere out in Oklahoma. The barbecue though is sweeter in Cincinnati, right? Tulsa, their fan base is like, they're, it's like, they're talking like, Oh my God, we should be this, this amazing squad. And, and that, that it should be us that that should be in the, in the college football playoff conversation. Uh you know, it's 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 just a weird weird look. And I don't know if maybe it's jealousy on their part that they're they're going to be stuck in the back into Conference USA, like the third iteration of the new Conference USA. Uh, so it's just it's just weird. I like going on there and reading that stuff. It's like, guys, like I'm glad we got to take you back to reality because this game, in my mind, wasn't as close as you know. If I'm going back and rereading the Twitter boards and re- I rewatched the game this morning. In my mind, it wasn't as close. I, th- I feel like the, the squad was in control for 98% of the game. Yeah. It wasn't like I was on the, the, the I wasn't on, I didn't, I wasn't clenching my butt thinking, oh my God, this, we're about to lose this game. It's about to be an upset. Like I wasn't, I wasn't finding myself having that, that, those anger issues while watching this one. Especially when you put it in context of this series and what the, what the series has been in the past. You know, I thought we're coming off of a matchup in 2021 against a team, you know, that eventually would end. I'm talking about the Bearcats, the team that would end up in the playoff. That matchup went down literally to the final possessions. 
you know, this was this was a goal line stand where the Bearcats had to withstand Tulsa dive after dive after dive in an effort to try and upset this giant in the college football landscape. And they came up just short and they go on and they, and they finish. Well, let's this. also be clear last year's game. Not to interrupt you too hard here. People act like, Oh my God, they were about to win the game. They were about to tie. First off, they also had to get a two point conversion in order right. to tie the game. So. But, but there was a much different feeling. There was a much different feeling throughout the game. This game never was that close. In my opinion, when Ben Bryant threw the interception late in the second half um, on an out, I did get a little nervous. And I think, honestly, if Tulsa had done the right thing and kicked the field goal to make it a one-possession game before giving it back to Cincinnati, I think think we would have felt a little more concerned in that moment given how our offense, uh, and, and particularly Ben Bryant, was having an off game. You know, you couldn't really trust Ben Bryant in this game to make the throws necessary to put Tulsa away. But you're right. Like this game was in control most of the night, despite a variety of factors that were going against the Bearcats. It ended up being a very comfortable 31-21 victory. And when you compare it to last year in particular, I think it's striking some of the differences we're seeing. The reason that this that eight-point victory last year felt that much closer was that we spent that three hours watching Tulsa jam the football down our defense's throat. It was 57 carries for 297 rushing yards. Again, 57 carries for 297 rushing yards against our vaunted defense last season. And we come back this year and they carry it 45 times for 36 yards. Is that greatly inflated? Or, or deflated by 11 sacks by the Bearcats? Sure, it is. But, but regardless, the run defense is a completely different beast this year than it was last season, which is something that when we were talking with Joe in the well, offseason... Let me, let me laugh with you about that, though. Like, or you're, you're, you're bringing up the, like, the 11 sacks deflation of that stat. Davis Brin and Braylon Braxton combined for negative... 72 yards they ran backwards further than Daenerys prince ran forward (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry that's that's a funny stat to me because like we were in their backfield all game the defense was was thwarting i mean it was it was a, a, a really good effort from from the defense in my in my opinion. well the so defensive line I'm laughing when it's, I look it's at that stat. truly the defensive line that front front seven of the bearcats is what deserves the credit for winning this game they absolutely dominated tulsa's offensive line i felt at, there were moments last night where i should say uh, watching that game where i legitimately felt bad for what davis Brin was going through I actually thought all things considered for a guy who took, you know, double digit sacks and had his you know, head on a, a Beetlejuice swivel throughout the game. I thought he actually stood in there and made some pretty nice throws at times during the game. But this game was won by the Bearcats defensive front, which is led by, by a player whose name we're going to be talking about every week. Ivan Pace Jr. This guy is a wrecking ball. If he wasn't sacking the quarterback, he was throwing offensive linemen into the quarterback. If he wasn't um, 
you know, in the backfield, he was chasing down a wide receiver to break up a potential game tying or, or game threatening touchdown pass. This guy is, is all over the place. He plays with a huge chip on his shoulder. He's a little bit off the, off the, you know, he will go off the reservation. He will shove a guy while he's out of bounds. He will get personal penalties, personal foul penalties throughout a game. But I love a defensive player who plays with that type of ferocity. And he is a difference maker for our defense. Um, I mean, though, on the interception that you said where you were getting a little nervous, you know, they had uh, how many chances to, to put that ball in the end zone and they didn't. The biggest play there was Ivan Pace breaking up what looked like, you know, a, a dropped pass. But watch that play more closely. And Ivan Pace's hands are in between the receivers and he is knocking that ball loose as the, as the receiver is taking that ball to the ground. That is 100% Ivan Pace right there doing a hell of a job to keep that, this game two scores. Yeah, it was, and- it was it for, for a guy who's known for his, his work in terms of getting in the backfield and disrupting a, a passing attack or even making tackles for loss. That was ridiculous coverage by him. A huge play. If, if Tulsa gets a touchdown there, your bite holes, your buttholes tight. Period. I'm a little, I'm a little more nervous in that, in that situation. You would be um, definitely coming off Brian, making an absolutely atrocious decision, but also yeah. off the throw like execution wise, there was nothing there. More importantly, I was able to get the in-game spread down to seven and a half in favor of the Bearcats. Uh, you know, so I was I was a little worried about the cover at that point. I was never worried about the the result, you know, the money line bet there, but more along the lines of the cover. Um, yeah, dude, Ivan Pace is God. That guy's a beast. He's he, it's the kind of thing where it's stupid to even go down this route. But if you put him on last year's team and add that type of player on the defensive front it, it takes it takes the bearcats to an even more ridiculous level and the, and the level last year was ridiculous but he has he has changed the complexity of this defense in terms of how disruptive he is how frequently he's in the backfield and it's not but as much credit as he deserves and every week we're looking at more than one sack we're looking at multiple tackles for loss we're looking at him just sort of embodying the uh, tenacity of the unit there are other guys who are making a difference. And if there's a difference in my mind from what we saw from the defensive front last year versus what we're seeing this year, it just seems like a more girthy, more stout, more, just more, more of a brick wall unit. I don't ever feel like we're going to see a team just pound us up the middle with a running attack. You don't feel like you're going to have the Navy game or the Tulsa game from 21 or, um, you know, even I think Tulane at, at points last year was running the ball down our throats. And I think that might be sort of the, the makeup of the roster. We don't necessarily have the edge rusher with my Jay Sanders makeup and fast twitch muscle makeup, but you have just guys who are, are bigger and, and more stout when it comes to offenses trying to, to push us around. And it's not happening this year. We're talking about Briggs, uh, Jabari Taylor. I love seeing, um, Watley in the 34 Jersey uh, every single time I'm seeing him on camera, I'm, I'm picturing Jaron Cumberland. I, I, it might be the sort of, they just, they look, he's capturing the same essence of Jaron Cumberland out there. I just love that defensive unit and the defensive front. They are a mean bunch. Uh, and I didn't even mention Dante Corey Corleone there who, uh, oh, I was about to say, who in, in his own right is, is a big problem for teams. Don't sleep on the man with the greatest name on this team. <laughs> 
six two, three twenty, freshman. The Godfather. <laughs> it's it's pretty insane. And uh, so, if there is a superpower of this team for this version of the Bearcats team, it is it is that defensive front. They won this Tulsa game. They dominated this Tulsa game. And for you have to also consider how many plays they're having run against them because of you know the Bearcats' offense was completely inept on third downs, two of 14. So you realize that fourth down, isn't that kind of ridiculous? Three of three on fourth down. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. I love to see us going forward on fourth down. We should be doing that. We missed field goals again. Oh my God. Field goals. Well, we just have to, you have to sort of write it off. You write off field goals and that should make us a more aggressive team. You can't count on it. You, um, I, I was losing my mind. I was like, this, we're, I I, I'm past the point of caring that much, though. Honestly, I feel like this is college no, no, football. It's it's like, should like, why, why'd, we, why'd, why'd, we, why'd we even go for it? Like, let's just, exactly. We should. Every, everything. Let's, if we're going to go for it, let's just go for it. We should be constructing <laughs> our approach to be aggressive. And I think even before halftime, you saw us play that way. You saw less than 10 seconds on the clock. I think it was eight seconds. And instead of running a conservative play, Gadouli, you know, drew up a play that was going to be a nice touchdown pass to Mardner if Mardner was able to stay in bounds. They, it seems like they're calling plays and understand going forward on fourth in a way where they understand this kicking thing and it's not happening. Like we're not winning games of field goals to begin with, but also it's it's just not a reliable option for us. And so if it's not reliable, play more aggressively and play for tutties. Yeah. Uh, I- Honestly, you can't be can't be upset with the play calling. I can't be upset too much, or at least too much with the play calling. Can't be upset with the way the defense has performed. And look, at the end of the day, we we came. It's it's still a road game, right? And Tulsa is a decent squad. You know, we go in there and we play a tough road game. We come out with a with a nice win. It it the funny thing is is if we don't lose to Arkansas, we talk about this victory and probably a completely different way in the sense that like we we're talking like this is like we're, we're top 10 still like we're probably in the top 10 by now if we don't lose to Arkansas yeah but I, I actually think this team to me seems to be playing with a lot less pressure than you saw the 2021 Bearcats play with that team last year had to carry such a heavy burden and all I would ask you to do is look at what's happened to Houston this year a team that had preseason expectations you love this you no, I'm just saying, like, I think it captures perfectly <laughs> what it's like to play with expectations. We were, when the Let It Fly series came out last year, you had Dan Horde, Fickle, pretty much everyone who was on camera talking about the fact that that team was supposed to play for the college football playoff. They were supposed to go undefeated, and they were supposed to make a run at history in becoming the first G5 program to make it to the college football playoff. They played with that burden the entire season. We talked about it during that tough stretch against mediocre AAC opponents where they went into a lull. We had games that were way too close when you consider the talent differential. And we saw them sort of wearing that pressure. This year, they're not wearing the pressure. And I think some of that's chalked up to they already have a loss. They, they went on the road to Arkansas, didn't come through, didn't win a very winnable game. But now this is there's not the same level of expectation to this team. We've just worked our way back into the top 25, being number 24 in the AP poll now. 
there's not huge yeah. expectations and they're playing like it. You seem to me, the defense is just playing more free, more uninhibited, just running around like chickens with their head cut off, hitting people. And um, offensively, I feel like our, our play calling has less abandoned. We're just kind of, we're willing to take more risks. We're willing to throw it downfield. And I think some of that should be chalked up to Gino Gadouli doing a, a wicked job with Ben Bryant. I think, I think this Tulsa game exposed some of the weaknesses and some of the limitations that, Be- that Bryant does have when you take him off his first read, when you don't give him the, the open downfield throws. He isn't, he doesn't have the same touch on short throws. He doesn't have the same abilities when you make him go to his third or fourth option. And, and because of that, I think you see that Gino deserves a hell of a lot of credit for making Bryant such a prolific player so far this season. Prolific. I mean, I think Ben Bryant's been there's his response where he's like, we know he's lights out, right? He has a, a four touchdown first half. Overall, he's 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 good. I think he's very serviceable. Um, I think he's a he's a, he's above average, definitely from from a quarterback perspective. Um, but I also think that his arm downfield, he he has the ability. He has a little bit of a cannon. He can he can sling the ball downfield. Um, but just, I think that's he, he came off a series Conner. of games where open. Look, Ar- Arkansas three twenty five two tutties. Kennesaw State, you can't eat, like that was basically a half of football, 200 yards, three touchdowns. Miami, 337, two touchdowns. IU, 354, four touchdowns, and a lot of that damage was done in the first half. My point was, he's made this guy, in my opinion, look better than he really is based on how, how good his play calling's been, how open he's been able to get the receivers, and, and the coaching. Like It's not like Ben Bryant's not executing, but it's clear that his explosive plays and his explosive arm and throwing downfield is where his bread and butter is. And teams are going to start scouting to that. They're going to start doing a better job taking that option away. And this was the first game where we saw once that is taken away, the offense in terms of how the offense puts drives together, it wasn't as obvious at that point. I think it's fair. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm looking at this game. Am I excited about beating Tulsa? Yes. Am I excited about never having to go back to Tulsa? I guess. Never really, I really hated it. I don't, I don't hate, hate going to, I don't hate playing tough games in a, in a shitty conference. It doesn't bother me. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm reading all this stuff on Twitter. Like, oh, let's never go back to this shithole again. Wait, so we're just going to, uh, we're just going to throw out the fact that Tulsa's actually been a competitor, like given us tough games over the last four years where, you know, we can, we can go to other places. Like I could care less, honestly, about granted. I know, I know Tulane's in new Orleans, but I don't, I don't care about, I don't care about playing Tulane. I don't care. Right. I don't, I don't care about playing. Honestly, I don't care about playing Memphis in football either at this point. Like I, I, they were a flash in the pan. That, that is the definition of flash in the pan is Memphis football. Uh, I don't care about playing South Florida. I don't care in any way, shape or form of going to South Florida. I also don't. Well, you're, are you, you don't care. I'm, I'm slightly bored by the schedule. Like I can't wait for 2023 saying, like, and playing, saying, like, playing in the big 12. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare like the, the two conferences. I'm saying like, there's other teams that I absolutely just do have no desire to ever, ever play again because they're terrible competition. The games are unexciting. And 
and there's and their program doesn't really see their programs don't really seem to have any upside to it. These yeah, wins and, don't these wins have no upside. That's the funniest part of our schedule right now. We are a much better football program than everyone else in the conference at this point. We have more talent. We have better coaching. We have, um, we're just better. We're, we have better player development. We are doing everything at a higher level than every other single team in this country, in this conference. And that can be true when you move to the big 12, it can be true for a team in the sec like Alabama, but, but you do want some level of, of rival. You do want some semblance of, Hey, when we beat this team, it means something like we, we did something here that is worthy of praise. When you go on the road and beat an Oklahoma state, that's going to be a hell of an accomplishment. When you win on the road in Lubbock at Texas tech, that feels like you're doing something. I can't say at this point in the American athletic, when you, when you comprehend how good our program is at this point, what we're doing in this conference feels a bit silly. It just does. I, I want to run through the conference. I want to go undefeated in conference play again. I want to, to obviously um, make, you know, drink tears at the bounce house. I want to do those things, but I also think it's worth pointing out like this, this schedule lacks a punch. It's, and it's not our fault. We're stuck in this conference for one more year, but this is the challenge of football at this point is that every game to me feels looks and should be a mismatch. And so losing is devastating because you shouldn't lose to these teams and winning, you know, we have to do our best to really kind of appreciate that winning is hard, no matter what the talent level is, but it's hard to naturally get up for these games. That's not really the point. I think I'm trying to, I'm trying to make here. So I see a lot of like, a lot of people on Twitter are basically like, oh, glad to never have to come back to this shithole or whatever hellhole. And I'm like, so we're, we're mad that we go into a Tulsa year in, year out, and this is, you know, they put up a good fight against us every year, that they come ready to take on the Bearcats. I'm glad that we go into Tulsa where they're ready to take on the Bearcats as opposed to going into Temple, right? And we're Temple, like, we're, if we don't blow them out by 53, 50 points or whatever, like, that's, that's, that's an embarrassment on our program right now. Where it's, okay. Where yeah, it's you're, you're, you're. I'm happy when we're playing. You're giving Tulsa kudos after a completely, after insulting their fan base and mocking their fan base at the start of this podcast. You are now doing a 180, and you are giving them kudos for actually having enough self-respect to to think they could be could beat the Bearcats and playing as if they're actually trying to win the game. Yeah, for showing up, for showing up and putting something at least competent on the field. No doubt. Right. And it's, and I'm happy that last year that we didn't get penalized too hard for that being a close game, that they had enough respect in the circles of football, that that wasn't some, something that knocked us all the way down from, you know, basically being equivalent to a loss where this year it's ironic because I'm saying this too, here's the third 180. So we're, we're going, we're going full circle plus another half circle. All right. We're turning back. We're facing back around. I feel like we won this game and we we've got barely any recognition for it in the, in the coaches and the AP poll. No, we we're not going like to a couple spots. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm that saying. You're not going to get recognition recognition for any of these games. Basically, long story short, I'm happy they show up to play. I'm happy. This was an entertaining game to watch. I'm glad we got to see the defense do some really amazing things to keep Tulsa. Who's a high, high octane offense. They, they put up a lot big numbers you know, points and yards and whatnot throughout the season. And we held them in check. Yeah, we dominated We dominated their front. Like, if you win the line of scrimmage like that, you are going to win the game. And 
we haven't talked about it. We really don't usually get into it much. The officiating was quite um, questionable in this game. Questionable, but I didn't have that big of an issue. The targeting call was egregious. The, I'm the, not even sure that was egregious, honestly. I think that was, that was an egregious call. I think what he was egregious was his... threats not playing the ball. That was an interception to be had. And I, I couldn't quite understand what he was attempting to do, and it looked to me like the receiver on Tulsa was potentially baiting a targeting call. The way he stopped and sort of bent down was not sort of the natural motion of a football player. And it's it's sort of like, you know, a quarterback flopping on the sideline to try and draw a personal foul penalty. Yeah, he, he hit him with his shoulder. Yeah, I the, the call was your shoulder. Your your his helmet didn't even touch nowhere. His not even the side of his helmet touched the opponent. That is not targeting. I, I got to be honest, like you'd have to read me the exact definition of the rule. I thought if you sort of launched yourself, even if it didn't make contact, you could potentially get called if another part of your body hits. I might be wrong. I'm not reading the definition. I'm just saying that threats had the opportunity to make a legitimate football play uh, as opposed to whatever he was trying to do there. Look, we, we have had this problem in the American the entire time we've been in this conference. Like guys, we have high, they're high school referees. They're go, you know, they're, they're one step above high school. You come to the American after you graduate from Conference USA, right? This, this is the next step where you're getting hired from. For all I know, they pluck these guys off the, off the high school game from Friday night. They said, guys, we got some, we got to fill in here. We need you here. There were some bad calls, but at the end of the day, this, I feel like this is every football game. And when I was re-watching it, like, I, some of them were there. Some of them were, some were holding. There was a lot of holds that obviously aren't called on Tulsa, but it happens. And at the end of the day, we should be even more happy that we walked out with what I would consider in my mind felt like an ass banking to Tulsa simply because we were in control you could, the, you game couldn't, the entire time. You're not leaving the game thinking the calls were in our favor at all. And yet the game was still not very close. Right. And that I'm speaks to our domination. Yes. That's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I wasn't as bothered by it just because hindsight's 2020, but you know, we did get the running I, I game going. Hate, I also hate the late PI call. I think I was texting that, about So, this. yeah, right. There's late PI calls. There's several missed holding the calls. One, the one that there's, was egregious, in my opinion, was at the, the, the interception from the 20, and it gives, them the, it gives Tulsa the first, first and goal. They're, I think their first set of first and goal. And I forget who, who it was on, but the receiver basically, you know, gets up, immediately is, like, looking to the ref to plead his case for a – you know, for a hold. And then the referee from the far side throws the flag, not even, not even the back, the back judge, you know, who should be calling that if it's going to be called. And it was like a 10, 15 second delay. I'm like, so you just let the player influence your decision on whether to throw the flag or not. And I think it was ticky tacky. He had him wrapped up or kind of had his hands. I guess if you're going by the letter of the law, he's going for the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, there was that call. There was a late off offsides call. There's there's a there's a bunch of just weird moments. There were huddles. Anytime there was a Tulsa penalty for a while, there would be a huddle, and then oh they God. would find a, a nine reviews. They would find an offsetting Bearcats penalty to call as well. It just all I'm saying it was strange. It, it was very choppy. It was not your normal. Maybe it was normal, but it it didn't feel like your your run of the mill officiating How do we fix? performance. How do you fix offsetting? 
personal fouls like can we just not mention them that they even happened can we just like move on and the ref just go there was a fight when which both teams were involved we are going to move on with the game instead of being like personal foul on number 12 on sportsman conduct on the offense number 32 unsportsmanlike conduct these penalties are offsetting like guys let's move on move on with our lives uh what was worse who did who had the bigger fail the nine the nine reviews that they had to do or the fact that they probably didn't even get to see the play from the review because espn's camera work was so shoddy it was shocking just to put it it was shocking how bad catch it it honestly made me appreciate normal broadcasts that much more. You don't realize like during a normal game, you don't miss plays. You see what's happening. You see where the ball is thrown. And there's these very subtle movements that a camera's making, but I got to be honest, it's standard coverage. Like it's the baseline that you expect, which is just make sure the camera's on the ball. Make sure when the team's going for it on fourth down, you're, you're watching the play and they were missing those things. There were several catches or attempted catches that we missed. We missed Corey Kiner, Kiner's fourth down scamper into the end zone. Because they were talking about the, the replay from the before. Right. Like, so they've already determined that it's a first down. Why are we, why aren't we watching? It, it, the whole thing was, it was maddening. It was not very good. It was not very professional. And another thing I won't miss about being in the American Athletic. Well, I, I don't know if that has more to do with it's ESPNU. That has that issue because if I if I'm not mistaken and if anybody's listening and, and knows, I believe that ESPNU actually brings out the crew, which includes the cameras. And there's I think we had this issue last year because we were talking about how the one of the games we played looked like it was in 720p. And we actually had it confirmed that it was because they bring out different tiers of cameras for different games that are going on. Like game day, for instance, you have the the overhead, you know, you get the overhead camera, like like the ABC, CBS type broadcast, you know? Um, and that's my, my comment here is iPhones cost $999 for an iPhone 14. This is not an ad for iPhone. Couldn't they just, if they need better cameras, buy a bunch of people with iPhones, stand them up there on some tripods, you know, pick your feed. I've seen some videos from iPhones, man. They look incredible. <laughs> and all right, fine. If you want. Let's put out a Galaxy phone. All right, we can we can use a Samsung too. <laughs> I'm going to uh, excellent gonna... low light. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we're going to start advocating for for fan broadcasts, just raw periscope ish uh, from from fans in the stadium, just so that we can actually see what the hell is going on in the football field. I I was just I was just like Jesus. I, I just was watching it. And I'm like. He said we missed the quarter kinder, but they, they throw a pass and he's like, Where'd where'd it go? Was it, it go? complete? I don't know. Tell me because I didn't see the the attempt. And then we then you couldn't even they could like they couldn't get to the replay to even show you it. That and then there was one on a challenge on the Nick Mardner challenge. They cut away. They cut away and showed the wrong play. <laughs> like it wasn't good. It wasn't yeah. good. This this broadcast is not winning any Emmys. We can was be sure of worse. That worse than the than the basketball game where i think they had an intern doing the doing the color 
you know, do you remember that from like two? two I, I do, years ago? and nothing, nothing tops that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, you. I, I can miss half the game, half the football plays. I can miss, but it's not going to top. Um, you know, the equivalent of boom goes the dynamite on the basketball team. Boom goes the dynamite. The, <laughs> the running game did get going a little bit, and when Jerome Ford showed up at UC, he brought that SEC speed with him. Corey Kiner did not bring the same SEC SEC speed. It's just, man, that guy I, can hit a hole. That's what I'm saying. I, it's just, <laughs> it's really not meant to be a critique or, or poking fun at, at Corey Kiner or Chuck McClellan. They are having really good seasons in their own right. They're both very good players in their own right. I thought you saw Corey Kiner really be able to read a hole quite well in this game. And, and Chuck's obviously been a really good option in the backfield this season, but we just don't have people like Jerome Ford very often that when they break through the first line, they're gone. You're not catching them. He's outrunning the secondary. He's going to outrun cornerbacks. He's going to outrun safeties. These guys were much more, you know, elite, elite, athletically talented players who were still getting caught by, by Tulsa defenders. And I just think it's not an indictment of them. It is definitely more of a, Holy shit was Jerome Ford fast because when that guy got in the secondary, it was not even close ever. Um, this was one of those games where I was like, someone has to put their foot in their mouth because they're like, why do the Bearcats and the Bengals, you know, why, why do they always go out there and act like they're teams that can run the ball when they can't? I'm like, eh, this isn't the best game that you want to say that to. Yeah, the running game actually did work a little bit in this game, close damn near 200 yards rushing, mostly through a couple big pops. Like over half the yardage came through two specific runs from McClellan and Kiner, but that's they're going to need it. it. Honestly, they're going to need the, they're going to need the running game. Like they, they they need something else. These big explosive plays are not going to be there all season because defenses are going to, you know, smarten up knowing that we're going to if we make Ben Bryant take smaller chunks he can't do that as successfully um, as previous iterations of this Bearcats team could like he, we oh. are more reliant on these explosive plays than I think we have been in the past. It makes us more dynamic. It makes us that much more fun, but can he string together, you know, six, seven completions on a drive con- consistently? Can he do that? Can Ben Bryant do that? Sometimes he can. I don't know if he could do it all the time. Against this the the poultriness of the schedule we have, I, I was just I just had the I just had to chuckle at, at when I saw that comment because I'm like, are we watching the same same running game here today? Uh, and it hasn't been bad, you know, all year. Indiana was was terrible for at least for Corey there, but look, when he, when he was getting 14 attempts and averaging 1.2 yard carry against Indiana, Ben Bryant was chucking it over the over the secondary's head to Scott four times you know like that that's what ends up happening if one, if teams have to lean one way or the other and if they're not gonna if they're not gonna lean one way or the other we do have a very good run unit that's going to be able to get yards and make you pay for not stacking the box on us well we think we could have a good run running unit it hasn't been so far it has not been so far I think it's been I think it's been decent we have we have signs of life today, or against Tulsa, we had some signs of life. You want to do stock watch? I give you stock some names. Watch. 
I give you some names. You tell me if you're buying, you're selling, you're holding. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't taken advantage of your uh, Nasdaq exploits of your right. your shrewdness in the market, and I think it's time we put it to the test. Over. So I'm going to give you some names. I want you to tell me if we're buying, if we're selling, or if we're holding. Some Bearcats, some some might be something else. Uh, I'm going to start you off with Dana Holgerson's tenure at Houston. Are you buying, selling, or holding? Uh, all right. Houston fans aren't going to like this. I'm going to, should I rephrase? Should I say no, Dana you, Holgerson I think, uh, coaching in the big 12 buying, you, selling or holding? I'm holding one year. I'm holding one year. Uh, maybe I'm making the transition and then no, I'm selling. I'm selling. They fire him mid season. He's gone this year. They're going to fire him. He should. They're terrible. He's terrible. He's done nothing for that program. Like they took step, they took a step back. They were on, they were on an upward trajectory. They couldn't get over the hump that was the immovable force, which is Luke Fickle. And now we don't even have, we don't even occupy that space in their apartment anymore. It's every other college football team that occupies the back room of Houston's apartment. I'm going to give you another one, a tough one. Tyler Scott, are you buying? Are you selling? Are we selling at a peak right now? Or are you holding? What are you doing with Tyler Scott? Bye, 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 baby. <laughs> Tip of the iceberg? No, you keep buying into Tyler Scott. He's, he's Amazon. Is, he's Amazon. It's just, it's just going up in perpetuity. This is sustainable. This is sustainable. He can keep doing it. The man is super, super quick, super fast, constantly seems to find himself open on the football field. I'm buying. I'm leaning in. I'm leaning in. Evan Prater, are you buying, selling, or holding? I mean, obviously you're not selling on this, all right? Come on. Uh, you, you don't know what the upside is, but I think we know what the upside is. This one's easy, man. You, you're, 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 a, you're a buy more and hold. <laughs> UCF being the toughest remaining game on the Bearcats schedule. Are you buying, selling, or holding? Sell. It's, it's ECU, baby. <laughs> Still ECU, not Tulane after what they did to Houston. No, <laughs> no, there's in, there is no one on this remaining schedule that is tough. <laughs> at at UCF, at SMU, Bring it. the versus bounce house, home home East Carolina, home Tulane. Those those don't put the Look, fear of God into. We're it. taking the heat. We're gonna take the helium right out of the bounce house. It's gonna be deflated. All right. <laughs> Luke Fickle, yes. Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. Are you buying, selling, or holding? <laughs> I'm fading hard. I, I don't think – I think Luke Fickle, obviously you take the phone call. Everybody who gets a, a call from someone for a new job, you know, if, if you, you listen. No, you don't take any phone call. Do you, yeah, I mean, you, do. you don't take any phone call. Look, I don't. Yeah, no, if, if my boss is listening, I don't take any phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, but you, you can't you be selective if you're Luke Fickle? You don't just take any phone call. Is Wisconsin answer, a call you, you take? Answer, you answer the phone and you say, thanks, no thanks. I, I, I like what I have going here at Cincinnati. So you're, you're, you're selling? Selling the notion that, that Wisconsin is, is taking Luke Fickle. To me, Alvarez can't convince him? I don't, think it makes, I don't think it makes sense for him to go there. 
Wisconsin isn't this like program in my opinion. And I think some of the stats kind of, kind of go to the lens to back this up. They're historical in the sense that they're part of the big 10, but their, their history with football and, and winning isn't really that storied, Right. And I was saying this, I was talking with someone this weekend and, and, and people aren't going to like this. There's basically three teams that every year right now, and really it's, it's two, one of them is a newcomer, but you can, you can be assured for the most part that Alabama and Ohio state are going to be good. Georgia right now over the last, you know, four or five years now is, was, is replaced Clemson as that third team that you know is going to be good. After that, every other team in college football is vying for that number four spot. And it can be anybody, any given year. It can be Michigan. It can be Cincinnati. It can be uh, Kentucky. It can be whoever. But those three teams, you know they're going to be there. And the difference between, you know, Alabama and Ohio State is they, they do have the, the historical national championships, their titles and their conferences to back up all that. I think Wisconsin's won one national championship in football and it was in 1940. If we're going by that, then Cincinnati has a national championship in 1940. Congratulations to the to the Sun Bowl champions, uh, Cincinnati Bearcats, national champions. You know that that's if you get my facetious in there, that's where I just don't I don't see it because Luke Fickle already turned down or didn't listen to jobs that would be uh, already of caliber for him that had more historical precedence, more more uh, what's the right word prestige. Right. If that, if that makes sense, that's why I just don't see Wisconsin as something that moves the needle saying, let's go. Madison's a nice town. It's got that going for it. I'm not, I'm not debating the quality of the town in which the, <laughs> the school is located, but at the end of the day for Luke Fickle, it's not Cincinnati and it's not Ohio state. Final buy, sell, hold. Oklahoma is going to be the doormat of the sec. Are you buying, selling, or selling that notion or holding? I'm buying that notion. <laughs> TCU, TCU put a whooping on them, boys. They're going to have two doormats, Texas and. <laughs> the things, things look a little bit concerning. If, if you're an Oklahoma fan, I'd be a bit concerned. Some red flags, early I red mean, flags as you head into you know, you got a couple of years apparently, but you know, you you're heading into a conference that already has some uh, some titans and that that aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Where where are the bear this year's Bearcats in the Big Twelve? Where do we finish? Are we buying? Are you buying Kansas as elite? Are you buying Kansas as a potential number four seed in a playoff? I'm definitely not buying that notion. And uh, I'm happy for Kansas that it's not pure, purely, uh, you know, pure failure that it has been for the past decade. But honestly, I think the bear, I honestly feel great heading into the big 12. I know it's going to be tougher. I know that you can't expect the same level of uh, the same win rate that we've had at the American athletic, but man, like the, the infrastructure is here. Fickle stays the coaching tree, the, the, his ability to sort of replenish the ranks and continue to pump out really good on-field results. And then the fact that our talent base goes up and up and up every year because of the fact that success begets success begets success. And uh, there's a lot of really talented players across the country who are excited to be here and excited to join the team. 
I, th- I think I feel really, really good going into 2023 in the Big 12. I agree with everything you said except for one thing, which is like, yeah, we know it's going to be tough and we, we can't really have the same expectation for win rate, but we have to have the same expectation for win rate because getting to the playoff still requires at most, you know, one loss. Or I should say, I guess at minimum, I oh, there's going to be at, at some most, point there's going to be 12 teams at some point there's well, gonna be 12 almost, teams and it's we're on the assumption of four four teams here you want that first round by but if you're going off the notion of four teams the minimum for getting in is one loss or i guess the, the worst of the results could be is one loss ideally you have to be you know you have to be undefeated so you still actually i think have that same expectation of win rate it's just we're gonna have to keep bringing in good talent even better talent than what we have and we're going to have to elevate. Yeah. No, I mean, you make a good point. You make a good point. The expectations is kind of, it's a weird game with the expectations that historically we've been kind of trained into thinking that you have a great team and then we have a lull for a few years and then eventually we'll have another great team. Fickle is trying to create, like he says, a top 10 program. And if you're a top 10 program, down years are the exception. Great yeah. years are the expectation. In a down year, you lose one game. <laughs> right or t- you lose two games in a down this year. is a That's down year we're, we're in a down year right now but like if you're told if you look at when ohio state alabama you know michigan i'm trying to think of some other like perennial like who you would say is like top top tenors you know historically oklahoma usc and when they're on their down years if you're going to maintain that success of being a top 10 program that's two losses right that's that's your down year you know, your expectation, especially when we expand the 12, the expectation is you make the playoff. That's the expectation, right? If you're going to be a top 10 program, your expectation is I'm getting a spot in that 12 seed playoff. I can lose at most one, maybe two games a year. So you got to be, you got to bring your A game. I love that. I love it as a note to, uh, to end on here, Hummer. Any final thoughts before we uh, sign off for the night? Who is next in the uh, the garbage disposal here? South Florida home opened up. I think I saw Michael Boston on Twitter say 25 and a half. On Saturday the 8th at 2.30 p.m. I will be in the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York enjoying some, hopefully, wine at a cabin because I'll be done with my driving duties. Classy. And, uh, yeah, we will pinkies out as we destroy the the affordables. I think I'll be. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do the word destroy, but mm, we should be destroying the Florida South Florida well, bulls. Weren't they already destroyed? Oh. <laughs> Just you know, pissing on ash, ashes. Yeah, sorry guys. Okay. <laughs> turning, turning, turning the knife, salt in the wound. All right, buddy. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there. And uh, we will touch base sometime next week maybe when you're back from your, uh, your, your, what do you want to call it? Your relaxation, your, it's not, this is not relaxing at all. Your Going meditation in the Finger Lakes. I, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on Julia. I'm going to tell on her. I've been asked, I asked her for like three months to make sure, hey, get off on that Monday because, you know, <laughs> Papa Hummer's off for Columbus Day. Now that he works at a bank, he gets every holiday off. And I'm like, please, you know, two months. And then she's like two weeks ago, 
yeah no I like I scheduled something like two months ago so I have to work on Monday I was like so you're telling me we're gonna go up Friday night we're gonna get there Friday night we're gonna be there Saturday I have to be the DD which is fine whatever well I drive you to wineries and then we'll drive home Sunday I'm like that sounds not relaxing at all I'm gonna be in a car for like 14 hours over 48 hours of like 24 hours of wake period I'll be in a car for 14 of them Man. Hey, at least it's a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, buddy, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. Jizzle's coming.